G'day, I'm Rowan Mackey, and I'm joined by my dad, clinical psychologist Chris Mackey, and this is Psych Spiels and Silver Linings. G'day, Dad. How are you doing today? Good, thanks, Rowan. Good to be with you again. Good to be with you as it always is, and it's particularly good to be with you t- for today's topic, which is a slightly different topic to other topics that we've done on the podcast. We've called today's episode Gaining from the Gooners. So, Dad, it's a bit of a, a funny name. Do you want to just give us a, a brief overview to start? What are we going to be talking about today? Well, it draws on ancient wisdom from Indian philosophy, and particularly the Bhagavad Gita, which was a wonderfully rich philosophical text from about two to two and a half thousand years ago. And one of the themes that came up from the Bhagavad Gita was about the gunas, which is to do with some of the core qualities that underlie all life. It's partly to do with energy levels. It's partly how we motivate ourselves or how we use our energy or what priorities we might have in life. Basically, it talks about three different qualities that also relate to our personality functioning. They relate to our mental health and our emotions. And so when we talk about the gunas, I think that people will find that it's got an overlap with a lot of the topics that we've covered in the past, including about depression or burnout or dealing with anger or all sorts of different topics. I think people will see the overlap, but from the lens of a different perspective. And I think that's been one of the, the really interesting things looking into this topic is, is just how much similarity there is with existing ideas, as you said, with things that we've spoken about on the podcast before. But I think it is, you know, coming from, a, I suppose, a, a you know, Western Judeo-Christian background, it's such a fresh way of looking at some of these ideas. And uh, I guess the context at which you look at it, in, it's, it's just absolutely fascinating. And I think there is so much that we can draw on from some of these cultures, you know, today we're, we're talking about Hindu philosophy and, and Indian philosophy. You know, there's many, many cultures from around the world that I think we can draw wisdom from. But I know, Dad, with today's episode, there was, I suppose, something that particularly resonated with you about this topic, wasn't there? Even over and above, say, other philosophical concepts. Yes, and one of the interesting things is I didn't come across this from psychology, but from doing a course a number of years ago, an adult education course with the Melbourne School of Philosophy. And one of the eight topics, eight or ten topics they chose, was about understanding energy. And when they talked about this kind of Indian philosophy, I thought, wow, I haven't heard anything that puts it quite in that way, but it's stuck in my mind ever since. So I thought, well, at this stage, it's worth bringing it up in this podcast as well. See if other people relate to it and see how it ties in with their lives, their mental health, their well-being. And it is one of those things, as I mentioned, I think there are similarities between elements of Western philosophy as we'll discuss today. But I think one of the things that I've found interesting, Dad, is for example, that there are some things that we do take from Eastern philosophy. For example, yin and yang is one that you hear come up quite a lot. And to be honest, I think the ideas of the gunas, to me, they, I suppose, resonate in a way that's similar with yin and yang. I think there is so much that we can take from it and apply to our own ideas and our own way of thinking of things coming from a more Western background. Absolutely, because so much of it is about balance. And it's partly about balance in our energy levels. So if we look at what the three gunas are, first of all, there's tamas, T-A-M-A-S. Now, tamas relates to inertia. Now, a positive side of that can be stability, but a downside of that could be, if you like, laziness 
or not moving to shift something that we should shift or not being able to energise ourselves. Or it could also relate at a personality sense in a way to ignorance. So kind of inactivity is tamas. Then there's rajas, which is about activity. So whereas tamas can have stability, which is good, the downside can be inertia, keeping things too same or not energising oneself or not making change. But rajas, activity, that can be agitation. It can be restlessness. It can be feeling that you lack something or feeling some pain, feeling like you have to have something that you haven't got, for example. So rajas, at the positive sense, can motivate some shift or change that can be worthwhile, but it also can be just agitation or restlessness. And then there's sattva. And sattva, S-A-T-T-V-A, sattva is about consciousness. It's about balance. It's actually about an enlightened awareness about how we use our energy. If we're overactive and agitated and restless, there's too much rajas. If we're lazy and inactive and just keeping on doing things the same way, not vital or energised or stuck, there's too much tamas. So sattva is looking at a balance of these different kinds of forces or qualities, if you like. So they're the three threads that run through all creation, according to Indian philosophy. But there's also a different balance of these things in our personality and different qualities will dominate at any particular time. And that's one thing we'll be exploring today, what happens when one quality dominates over and above the others. And look, there's a, there's a quite, you know, deep ideas, Dad. And nor you and I are, you know, Hindu philosophers. We don't uh, profess to be gurus in the literal sense. So, uh, look, that we do understand that they are, I suppose, complicated ideas. And we will unpack them a little bit as we go because I think there is a little bit to unpack there. But I suppose, Dad, the thing that, I suppose just taking a broad basic view at it to start with, it almost seems to me that, you know, they're almost opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of, you know, tamas can relate to this maybe, as you say, inertia, this this lack of movement, this sluggishness. Uh, whereas at the other end, as you say, the other end of the spectrum, you know, rajas, that can relate a lot more to movement, but at the same time, as you say, can go too far in terms of agitation. So sattva seems to be a little bit more about finding the balance in the middle of, of those two things, which, yeah, do make up either ends of a spectrum in some way. And it's all the more difficult, isn't it, in lockdown and facing the challenges of the pandemic. And many people are restricted. It might be in our social contacts. Many people might have lost work uh, dealing with lockdowns more specifically as well. Now, many of us are going to find that there's more of that tamas quality coming into our lives that can go too far. But if we're not a little bit forgiving, if they're being a little bit more tamas, if you like, then that might be very harsh and difficult to manage over a period of time. By the same token, we might let ourselves get very agitated about these circumstances that we can't control or change. And that agitation is a form of rajas that can really get out of balance in certain ways. So part of what we've talked about in the podcast in the past is how can we use some level of mindful awareness or what strategies can we draw on to find some way of managing through and bearing with some of the difficulty, but still finding some joy in life, still finding some purpose or meaning or direction but also being realistic with ourselves about being in a difficult position. So I think these notions also apply particularly to some of the challenges we've faced around the world over the last year and a half or so. 
Absolutely. And that's where I think that's part of the reason that these ideas are so helpful because I think they help us, I suppose, contextualize some of that sort of stuff in terms of maybe going through a little bit extra tamas at the moment with the situation, but also help us calibrate in terms of, I think, if we do think of things in these terms, we can recognize maybe we've got a little bit too much tamas, a little bit too much rajas. As I said earlier, I think the language around some of this stuff is maybe even a little bit more developed than we have in, in the West and in Western psychology. And like you were saying earlier, we're having a bit of a play with this. We don't pretend to be experts at this at all, but any person can think of these ideas and think of how it relates to our lives. And I like the way in Indian philosophy as well, they talk about different stages of consciousness or awareness. At first, people aren't so conscious or thinking so mindfully, perhaps, about how we're using our energy or of our personality type, if you like, or whether we might get things out of balance in some ways. And then we start to notice more of these patterns in other people. For example, I think the riots on Capitol Hill are an example of absolute rajas gone wild, so to speak, or people making all sorts of wild protests about lockdowns. When we're trying to manage a pandemic nationally and internationally, it just can seem to be this agitation without maybe so much wisdom behind it. So we can notice that in other parts of the world, or we might think that person seems somewhat lazy, or we might think that this is a situation that should change, but nothing's happening to change it and seeing tamas elsewhere. Then we can start to think of, well, how does that apply to ourselves? Am I being a bit inactive with this? Am I avoiding something? Am I being a bit lazy or whatever? Or am I being more agitated than I need to be about this situation which I can't fully control? Or am I getting angry about something unnecessarily? Or am I pushing myself too hard or putting too many expectations on myself or others to try and get certain things done, even when it might be more difficult in certain ways? So then we start to think of ourselves, how do we want to draw on these different threads? How do we want to draw on these qualities or energies? And that's a whole lot of what positive psychology is about. It's a whole lot of what our other topics have been about on this podcast. How do we want to mindfully direct? ourselves. Well, Dad, you alluded to some of it there, but I think it might be interesting now to start discussing some of these ideas in relation to some of the things that we've spoken about on the podcast before. Because I think when we look at, I suppose, psychological conditions where one of these energies can maybe go a little bit too far, it can be a good illustrator, I suppose, how these energies work in different ways. And for me, the immediate one that comes to mind is burnout, for example, with rajas. Maybe burnout is an example of when we apply a little bit too much rajas to our lifestyle over a period of time, there's not enough tamas. There's not enough of that, I suppose, maybe slowing down. There's not enough of that, I suppose, looking at our self-compassion system to relate it to uh, what we've been speaking about on previous weeks. But did you just want to speak to that a little bit in terms of how some of these ideas relate to these ideas of tamas and rajas in particular? Well, I think one of the more straightforward examples would be with burnout, where, for example, someone's really pushing themselves so hard, they get to the point of exhaustion. So at first, there's too much rajas, overactivity, excessive activity, agitation that comes from that. People are starting to get those symptoms that we talked about. It disrupts people's sleep or concentration. They're becoming more irritable, for example. Now, if people keep on going, they're going to get further stress symptoms and exhaustion, which is tamas. And as we've said before, 
when people really persist with burnout, keep on going, then that can lead to depression. Tamas. And so it seems to me a little bit from you know what, what we're speaking about today that Tamas and Rajas in particular are basically always present in everything that we do. And sometimes based on certain situations, either Tamas or Rajas can get a little bit too out of hand. There are situations where we find ourselves with a bit too much Rajas, like burnout. There might be situations where we find ourselves with a bit too much Tamas, like say depression. And it seems to me that Satwa is almost like the way that we balance those two things. So it's almost like Tamas and Rajas are there almost pulling us kind of in either direction at all times at, in different amounts. And the Satwa is almost the kind of broad perspective we can apply to things in terms of kind of stepping back and going, hold on, in this situation, I'm feeling a pull of Tamas here. Or in this situation, I've been applying too much Rajas recently. What can I do maybe a little bit more down the Tamas side of things that is going to be a little bit more balanced? And it seems to me that I suppose balancing, the balancing act of the two there is kind of what Satwa is. Exactly. So Satwa is basically consciousness, if you like. It's about awareness. We can say mindfulness. So Satwa is the mindful awareness, the understanding, if you like, that helps us get the balance. So Satwa is also about balance. That's where it relates to yin and yang as well. So another way of thinking of these energies, if you like, or these qualities, it's also like the quality of Satwa is the dawn. So it's the light that comes up almost that notion of enlightenment or consciousness or awareness we can see. Then there's rajas, which is the daytime, daylight energy, if you like. That's when we do our work, our labour often. There's a lot more activity often that happens in the day. And then there's tamas in the evening. Now, if we manage our energy levels in that way, if we mindfully manage our energy levels, we might be active if you like, through the day or while a task is on or or following through with some program or doing something that we want to do that's worthwhile. But then, Tamas, how do we build in that settling kind of energy? If we do it mindfully, for example, have a quietening time in the evening, even including the quieting time we have before bed, a pre-sleep routine, that's combining Satwa with Tamas. The thing is just rather than doing our habits every day and things getting out of balance and maybe not being so aware of that, it's how can we help ourselves be most, if you like, vital, happy, healthy. The idea is when we're exercising sattva much of the time, when that dominates over and above tamas or rajas dominating, then we're going to tend to feel aware, mindful, happiness, joy, clarity in what we're doing, presence of mind. Now, this might be something of an ideal. We're not going to be exercising that all the time. But to the extent that we exercise mindful awareness and wisdom and an understanding of ourselves, then we're likely to find a balance with these other energies. And it seems to me that mental illness and and mental health difficulties can affect a little bit of our ability to, I suppose, have the balance. And you know, one thing that comes to mind immediately is trauma, for example, where you might have a, a traumatic situation which at times might be pulling you towards rajas, it might be pulling you towards being a little bit more agitated, whether it be from intrusive thoughts, I think is one thing that you mentioned, Dad, I won't, I won't steal your idea there, but for example, intrusive thoughts is one way that rajas can present itself with something like trauma. 
But then with tamas, for example, there's, I suppose, the avoidant feelings of, you know, not wanting to really engage with, you know, the day, maybe losing that sense of, you know, really having the fire in the morning to get up and go and attack the day. Maybe that kind of comes from from the tamasic, I think they call it the tamas side of things. So do you want to just speak to that notion a little bit that particular mental health disorders and maybe to some degree, I haven't really thought this through really, but maybe to some degree that's what mental illness is, is an inability to, I suppose, cultivate that sattva to, yeah, grow or, or yeah, create more of that balance. Yes, like basically with mental illness, it's going to be combinations of agitation or functioning at a lower kind of level where we are going to get the rajas and the tamas coming in. But I think it is a very interesting example of trauma, as you say, like if we think of the core dimensions of post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, as you say, there's intrusive thoughts, then there's avoidance and numbing, and then there's hyperarousal or agitation. Now, it's the intrusive thoughts like flashbacks, nightmares, remembering the trauma, recollections about the trauma that lead on to the agitation, the hyperarousal kind of feelings. There's the rajas. Whereas the avoidance and numbing, how's that word numbing? A classic example of tamas. And what I find fascinating is the traditional and ancient healers found in basically all cultures, they use terms for trauma like possessed by spirits, and soul loss. There are the main dimensions you get of PTSD, intrusions and avoidance. So the intrusions, that person's possessed by an evil spirit, rajas, soul loss. What a descriptive term for tamas, for that inertia, passivity, avoidance, withdrawal. It really sums it up. And it seems to me as well that it's not just, I suppose, mental conditions in a way that can affect our balance. There can be certain personality traits. I know, Dad, we had a little bit of a chat about this off air, but for example, something like perfectionism comes to mind because that can also affect our balance. For example, if we're, you know, over-perfectionistic about something, the first thing that you can do is almost procrastinate. You know, it's tamas. It's that, I suppose, sluggishness that comes with really getting up and going. Do you want to just speak to that a little bit in terms of, I suppose, how yeah, tamas and rajas relate to personality traits beyond that of just those who are suffering mental conditions at that time? Yes, and in terms of striving, it's natural that we're going to try and achieve goals. It's part of our drive system that we've talked about before. It's part of our purpose in life can be achieving certain kind of goals, but it can get out of balance. And if we have rigid expectations, very high expectations of ourselves, like you mentioned with perfectionism, yes, we can either push ourselves so hard, be more likely to get burnt out, or otherwise over-prioritizing some areas of our life and ignoring or devaluing or under-emphasizing other areas, the quality of relationships, the importance of leisure, other kind of things in life that are worth doing. So these things aren't straightforward also, just say if people have many roles to juggle in life as well. It might be caregiving outside of one's family as well as helping raise one's immediate family as well as working, the different combinations that people have and then dealing with extra stresses that might come up such as through the pandemic in life. Now, for example, things can happen and we can't really hope to have some full balance, certainly for all of the time, there are going to be things that get out of perspective. But just having that awareness that 
wait a minute, if I push myself too hard with rigid expectations, I might either become very agitated, so therefore the rajas, or otherwise, yes, understandable, I'll procrastinate. And procrastination generally comes from excessive expectations. And that's where we say sometimes, done is better than perfect. So we can use the rajas for positive or negative purposes. If we're using it to help get something done, even imperfectly, but it serves a goal, it benefits ourselves and other people, that's with some mindful awareness, it's a purpose behind it, so it's got sattva behind it. But if we're just driving ourselves into the ground, that's really overdoing the rajas, not so much mindful awareness. We need to draw on and cultivate more sattva, more awareness about our reactions to find more of a balance. And so it seems to me, Dad, that from everything that we've been talking about today, that there's an element to which, you know, tamas and rajas is always going to be there. Without sattva, I suppose it's a little bit more of a, I suppose, wild recalibration that we go through in some ways in terms of we don't have as much control over the recalibration. It's going to happen, you know, regardless of of whether we like it or not. We don't have a choice that we do respond to certain things after a certain amount of time in a certain way. And I suppose one thing that really comes to mind there is the importance of thinking about some of this stuff at the moment, because as you mentioned at the start of today's podcast, it is a time when there is a little bit more tamas enforced on us. And, you know, I've certainly gone through periods of time in, in you know, this lockdown, other lockdowns where you wake up the day much more sluggish than you want to be sort of thing. And, and to me, that's an example of how this... Tamas feeling can almost go a little bit too far. And one thing that I find in this lockdown period is, you know, Daddy, I wake up in the morning and I don't go for a walk by 8 o'clock. You know, even if you get out the door at 8.15, you feel behind. You feel that almost there's this build-up of kind of Tamas and you haven't kind of hit the day with enough energy and momentum as you want to. So there's more of a Tamas build-up that then again comes from that because, you know, then you get home and you're feeling sluggish and you're feeling behind and that's not necessarily conducive to working in the most productive way. So, you know, it becomes a bit of a catch-22 in that sort of sense. But at the same time, if you can wake up and almost get in front of yourself a little bit and, you know, for me, it's getting out by 8 o'clock and, and, you know, well before 8 o'clock if I can because it's just a different energy to the day. And it's really interesting talking about some of this sort of stuff because I wonder if part of that energy is this kind of rajas energy. And if we wake up, you know, in a a naturally sluggish state, you know, we've been asleep, which is very, a state which is very much uh, having tamas. If we can, I suppose, enforce some of this rajas, not in a way that's kind of wild and uncontrolled, but in a way that does have this balance where we can set these routines for ourselves and create this, you know, energy and momentum at the start of the day in a way that's kind of balanced. Uh, to me, that's a real example of where these ideas are really relevant at the moment and where we can really draw on some of the benefit from them. Yes, what I relate to with what you're saying there, just the last few weeks, a friend of mine, Kevin, has got me out for early morning swims. <laughs> now, it's only about 12 degrees in Cario Bay at the moment, and at first I thought this is a crazy idea, you know, getting up at 7 o'clock in the morning or whatever for an early morning swim. But uh, Kevin described, look, You'd be surprised after a few days, you don't feel the cold so much. And and once you jump in, you feel okay after a little while and you feel great for hours afterwards. I was a little bit disbelieving, although I knew he meant what he said. So I've been trying that out the last 
few weeks, maybe gone 10 times or so. And it's remarkable, after a few days, you get so used to it, you don't even notice the cold so much, whereas at first it's, oh, this is all too much. (laughs) And then you do feel really good for hours afterwards. So sometimes it's exploring or experimenting with different kind of things. But I think it is that notion of, mindful awareness just look at what impacts on your energy levels maybe be open to trying something different don't just give in to the inertia because i think what you're saying too that's going to be relevant to alcohol and drugs we know there's been a real increase in the use of alcohol and drugs say through lockdowns and things like that well people are maybe looking to artificially influence their their tamas and rajas there to either settle agitation or to have a feeling of relaxation through using alcohol or drugs. Well, I suppose with drugs, they've used terms like uppers and downers, like uppers, rajas, downers, the tamas, but not much sattva. So you can see that over a period of time, people can become addicted. What's going to tend to happen in the long run? People losing their sense of perspective and direction, not having so much energy, getting caught up with the agitation of side effects, the rajas, having lower levels of energy and motivation, perhaps the tamas, not so much sattva. So there's another striking example of where things can get out of balance, say with addictions, and it relates to these three qualities as well. It's interesting, I suppose, to maybe take the positive side of things, Dad. When you were talking there, one of the things that comes to mind is, you know, one thing that I feel that I've really missed during this pandemic is having a dog. <laughs> and it's very interesting talking to people who have a dog because I think there's an element to which, you know, it's kind of, you know, this sounds terrible, but it's kind of like a, you know, a drug in some ways in terms of you can tap into some of that external rajas and that external tamas. You know, you, you might have your dog kind of scratching at your door, getting, getting you up to go for a walk in the morning and then at, at night they're, you know, sitting there on the couch ready to be patted and maybe calm down a little bit more. So without necessarily just, you know, putting that, we don't want to put too many uh, ideas in heads, Dad. So <laughs> let's put a more positive example out there as well. I think it's, a, again, a good example of how you can combine some of these energies. For example, also going for a walk with your dog, well, connection with others, certainly connection with other people and compassion and ways that we connect positively with other people has sattva to it, well, so does relating closely to a pet. That's got this sense of connecting in some way, the warmth, the the love that comes with that. That's a a sattva kind of quality. So yes, it's the notion of, as you say, it's looking at the positive. It's being aware of what kind of things are uplifting and add to our sense of vitality. It's like moving forward in life with purpose and joy, if you like as opposed to feeling stuck or agitated. Doesn't mean it's easy. Like most people are tested at times like this. There are all sorts of challenges that people face extra, and that's over and above any other everyday life challenges that people have in their study or work or family life. Many aspects of life are challenging as it is. We have had these extra circumstances over the last year and a half as well. And so any ways we can cultivate awareness, cultivate sattva about what makes a difference to us, adds vitality to our life, adds joy, that's really worth doing. And I wonder if we even maybe look a little bit more into that, Dad, in terms of how to cultivate more sattva. Because obviously, you know, these are, these are quite deep ideas one thing that stands out to me about this idea of, of sattva and balance is, 
I suppose just how deep kind of the idea of balance goes in terms of it's not even necessarily kind of a you know moment to moment thing like this is a an all encompassing balance whether you talk about kind of integration across kind of different areas of your life and all this sort of stuff so we recognize that we are going you know slightly uh, simply with it today but at the same time you know how can we cultivate more of this sattva more of this balance because you know, we mentioned before, you know, there's going to be a lot more of it around at the moment. There's going to be times when maybe we're going through mental difficulties that aren't conducive to having a lot of sattva or having a lot of balance or a lot of that mindful balance. So how can we cultivate more sattva, more of that balance in times when we maybe have a little bit more difficulty doing that in an organic sense? Well, I think when it boils down to it, it's all the things that help our physical and mental health. So all kinds of health promotion, all of positive psychology, for example, all the things that we've talked about in previous topics on the podcast are relevant. But if we go back to ancient, again, Indian philosophy and wisdom, what are some of the things that they will talk about? For example, it might be practices like rising early in the day, even perhaps ideally rising at dawn to do meditation, which is often found to be a very good peaceful time when people have hopefully had a good sleep. Again, using sattva, having patterns that help sleep, getting to bed at an early hour, if you like, creating conditions that are conducive to good sleep, including appreciating things in life that are going well and showing that kind of gratitude, if you like, having ways of managing your tamas, quiet energy in the evening to be able to get a good sleep. Then maybe up at dawn with maybe exercise. It could be meditation. Through the day, using things like yoga, mindfulness strategies, relaxation strategies that we've talked about in the past for managing arousal. Then it will be around food. Just say people choosing to eat fresh vegetables, for example, How different is that from eating, if you like, stale foods or very fatty foods, a lot of tamas, or overly spicy foods all the time, too much rajas? So thinking of the freshness of the foods and how we respond, how we feel after we've eaten certain foods, like, again, maybe not too much meat, a lot of plant-based diet, if you like, and, and fresh. Then it will be things like physical exercise. It'll be things like... We've talked about in the past, say, knowing your character strengths and using your character strengths in the service of other people. When we're aware of our top strengths, often there'll be areas where we've developed certain skills and abilities along with our attributes as well. When we use them in the service of others, we're more likely to be in a sense of flow. We're more likely to be in the present moment. That's a sattva kind of quality. Showing compassion for others. Again, that connection, that bonding is a sattva kind of quality. So when it boils down to it, a lot of the different kind of things we would talk about, spending time in nature, the soothing aspects that go with that, but also an appreciation or awareness of, if you like, all of creation, so to speak. There are many things relating to a pet you've described earlier. When we think of it, anything that we know is a mood booster. Anything that can help our physical and mental health that has a balance to it. Maybe not a mood booster of just alcohol every night or something like that, so to speak. So when we talk about mood boosters, things that have that balance to it and exercises like physical exercise, doing something with friends, leisure activities, activities that have a sense of meaning or purpose, all of these things that we and others have talked about in terms of mental health, they're all to do with sattva. 
I know I've mentioned it, I think this is a three podcast in a row now, Dad, so I think I've got my hat trick with it. But uh, one thing that really comes to mind is that podcast from uh, Ben Crow, Ash Barty's mindset coach that, again, yeah, mentioned on the last couple of podcasts. I won't put it up for today's episode on today's episode page, but you can get that for the last couple of episodes. But he had this great analogy talking about... I suppose it was motivation and and many things to do with this, but he spoke about it in terms of leaning into the wave. And, you know, he's a a surfer and and he spoke about the idea that when you're surfing and you're on top of a wave, if you lean backwards, if you lean away from the wave, you just fall off your board and, you know, you're not not surfing anymore. Slightly counterintuitive in terms of needing to lean into the wave to to get the most out of yourself there. And, And it seems to me that there's an element of, Tamas and, and Rajas, to which you kind of need to lean into the wave a little bit. You know, it's, I suppose, to contrast two ways of thinking, when experiencing kind of Tamas energy where you could be feeling, you know, really sluggish, you might have a couple of days in a row of, of feeling that more sluggish feeling. Well, if you think, well, oh, like if I just take today for myself and, and I won't do anything today and I'll just sit on the couch and I won't do anything well, that's one thing and, and look, there might be situations where, where you gain benefit from that but at the same time, maybe a slightly more balanced way is thinking, look, even if I just do something, anything and then you can think, you know, at least I did that. It's something that we've spoken about on the podcast before that, at least I did that idea but it seems to me from talking about some of this, part of that is is kind of bringing in some rajas and kind of going, hey, we're in a situation that is... You know, there's a lot of tamas here, but at the same time, if I can bring in some rajas, then that might lead to a little bit more rajas, which might lead to a little bit more, which we then might find ourselves in a situation where uh, I suppose we have more capacity to be more balanced because we've been able to introduce some more of this rajas idea. Yes, so I think it's to do with patterns of behaviour generally and it's easy to be stuck in patterns, isn't it? Like it's easy to react with inertia or we might have a pattern or routine of behaviour that's worked well in the past but it's not working so well now. It's a bit stale or it's a bit stuck or what worked with lockdown one or two might not be really doing it for us in lockdown five or six. So it might be harder to get motivated or just other aspects of life. So I think of it partly as being a bit like the hero's journey too. We go along in a certain way and we start to find that we're a bit stuck in old patterns or something tips the balance then if it's really difficult we might be going through the dark night of the soul tamas but over time if we look to bear with things and find some way through often there might be some kind of awareness or understanding or inspiration that arises that aha experience that sattva that helps apply ourselves in a more purposeful way. So that's where we address the pattern using more rajas, but with a sattva behind it, more of that awareness. So I think part of it is realising sometimes we will be stuck with old patterns, including getting stuck with a degree of inertia and all the rest of it, dealing with lockdowns when we're restricted, but then realising, wait a minute, maybe I can mix it up a bit with this, or maybe at least there's this aspect of my home life I'm doing something to improve. I'm mindfully applying some energy to shift the direction of that. So using sattva with rajas, the energy that you're mindfully using to improve the situation. So I think even little things that we do to improve a situation are likely to lead to changes over time. But if over time it means that we're eating more healthily, 
exercising more healthily, relating to others more healthily, or appreciating some aspects of our lives more healthily, or finding some joy in certain areas, all of that is really meaningful. And when we find something that's working for us, well, it's keeping on going with that. That adds vitality and joy to our lives. Absolutely. And I'll just pick up on what you said there about the hero's journey. I find it so interesting that these ideas are present in the idea of the hero's journey, which, you know, in my opinion is, I suppose, one of the kind of patterns in life, which has real truth to it in terms of everyone has their own hero's journey, regardless of what culture, creed, religion, any of this sort of stuff. It's one of those kind of universal truths in life. And one of the things that I found so interesting when talking about these ideas of the three gunas, dad, is their relationship to what seems to be one of the other kind of fundamental truths in life in sort of Western philosophy anyway, which is Newton's three laws of physics. And I think it might even be worth just having a a little bit of a chat about this. We don't want to go too deep with it, but at the same time, there's a real relationship between Newton's three laws of physics and the three gunas. So do you want to just have a little bit of a chat about that now, Dad? I'll read the first law and maybe we can have a bit of a chat about how that relates to these ideas. So talking about, so Newton's first law talks about a body at rest will remain at rest and a body in motion will remain in motion unless it is acted upon by an external force. So Dad, this seems to me to be a little bit like the idea of tamas in terms of if we have a period of inertia, well, more inertia isn't going to necessarily get us unstuck in that situation. Yes, basically, as you say, inertia, feeling stuck, it might be doing things the same old way that aren't working anymore. So basically, we're restricted by that. There's not much positive energy coming out of that. And Newton's second law, which seems to me to relate to Rajas a little bit more, Newton's second law being force equals mass times acceleration. So Newton's second law seems to relate a lot more to to movement, to motion, to the forces acting upon something in order to make it move in a particular direction, which to me seems a little bit like this idea of Rajas where... You know, if we're agitated, being more and more agitated isn't necessarily going to fix the situation that will only take us further down that end of the spectrum. We need to apply a little bit of the opposite of tamas, of a little bit more of that that slowing, that, that lack of movement in order to be a bit more balanced. Yes, if we're stuck, we need something to get us moving. If we're going on the wrong path, we need something to shift our trajectory. So we need some rajas to shift that Newton's second law. And Newton's third law, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. How does that relate to the three gunas? We're left with sattva, so I suppose it's got to relate, which I suppose it does. But do you want to just give us a a brief description of how? Well, we come back to balance then, don't we? An equal and opposite reaction. So what we do is going to have some kind of consequences. And whether we intend it or not our action is going to guide those consequences. So it's partly being aware of the consequences of what we do. So if we're stuck with tamas, we look to shift it with rajas, are we shifting it in a direction that's working? And it mightn't have to be perfect. Like to have sattva, to have the awareness, the consciousness, we don't have to be so worldly wise, we know exactly what to do, but looking to do something different in a direction that we think will be worthwhile. And then building on that, and then seeing if the response, like the equal and opposite reaction, like the response we're getting to the effort that we're making is kind of roughly in the direction we're going in, then that's more 
mindfulness, that's more awareness, that's using our energy, if you like, more consciously. So what we're partly talking about is energy here and how we use energy. But doing that mindfully, that helps our vitality, it helps our well-being, our satisfaction, our joy. And it seems to me as well, having an understanding of that idea, every action has an equal and opposite reaction, well, it can help us to you know, be more balanced, obviously in the sense that if you get people, I suppose, across society in a range of ways, Dad, who maybe don't understand their actions as much or maybe come across in a way where they don't seem to have an awareness of maybe even how they're coming across in that sort of sense. So it seems to me that that balance talks about having an awareness of, you know, everything that you do will have an equal and opposite reaction. So we need to be a little bit more mindful with it to have an understanding of what those consequences are. Yes, so ultimately it's also to do with contentment. And there's an analogy that I like that also relates to, if you like, a spiritual dimension in life we've talked about before, which can be anything that gives us a sense of meaning or purpose or connection with others. And I like one of the explanations came across for these gunas was if we were looking into a lake or a pond and just say if it was a beautifully still lake and you look into it and you see stars reflected from above, there's sattva, contentment, again, appreciating something wondrous in life, feeling grateful for something beyond ourselves, sattva. But what if we throw a pebble into the pond? So the ripples, we can no longer see that greater wonder, if you like, reflected. That's rajas, the ripples. Or otherwise, the bottom of the pond gets stirred up, it gets muddy, and so we can't see the reflection that way. Now, anything I think that helps us appreciate, again, sense of meaning or purpose in life, feeling grateful for the little kindnesses that other people show, the compassion others show, or also being compassionate to others, the quality of our connection with other people. Anything that we do to help our physical and mental health, if you like, our well-being. Any of these things can be part of the appreciation of life. And I imagine when we're going through more difficult times, we're going to have a little bit more contentment if we're a bit forgiving of ourselves and others as well, if we struggle with getting a balance of these things. Because one of the main things I've found looking at this topic is I can think of times, well, oh, a bit much tamas there. Spent too long reading the paper or something like that or watching a second football match on TV for a team I don't even follow where I maybe could have done something else a little bit different there, for example, or other times feeling more agitated about something would need to be or maybe not being so mindful about a routine or activity or maybe it's worth changing something up. And then the joy that's come from, as I say, early morning swimming is something different and appreciating that. So, yeah, I've found just being more personally aware of some of these things in a different way, apart from the usual positive psychology language terms or other ways I would have thought about it. So, yeah, I hope that um, uh, from us doing this podcast that others can relate to this in some way that adds a little bit of new understanding. Well, Dad, I don't know if I can relate to the idea of not wanting to watch another football game just because your team's not involved. What is, well, I don't know what that's all about, but I'll figure well, I, I suppose there are only a few to go, aren't there? So I think yeah. I'll watch each of the, what is it, only two or three games left now, so I'll be watching each of them, I'm sure. Exactly, yeah. Football's been keeping me going at the moment. I don't know where I got it from, evidently. But, Dad, I suppose just to sum up now, I heard a, a really good analogy talking about the three gooners, which I think is really helpful. And that's that, you know, you look at colours, for example, and 
Every color is made out of the three primary colors, just in a, a different balance of the three primary colors. And it seems to me that that's a little bit, you know, like the, the three gooners. And I really like that analogy to describe them because every situation is going to have rajas, tamas, and sattva. But it seems to me that the more that we're able to, I suppose, step back and look at a situation and go, well, you know, what color is this? What are the primary colors in there, you know, what are the forces, uh, what are, uh, I suppose, the, yeah, the acting forces that, I suppose, putting me in the situation that I'm in now. And it seems to me that the more that we can have an understanding of that, the more that we can step back and have more control because we're not going to be in a situation where we're just oscillating between rajas and tamas and just finding ourselves at the mercy of, of these energies all the time, if we can find a way to cultivate that balance, well, that's going to allow us to, I suppose, control things a lot more, to be a lot more balanced, obviously, but yeah, but, but just find a, a way to not let the influence of these, I suppose, energies be so kind of wild and uncontrolled over us. Yes, actually, I like that idea of primary colours. When you add the three primary colours together, you get white. It's almost like light, enlightenment. And I think it's a relative thing. You don't have to be absolutely enlightened to look to apply this. But the more that we draw on some awareness, wisdom, look to act mindfully, then we're likely to get more of a balance with, with those things. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me about all this today, Dad. I've, I have found it extremely interesting looking at some of these ideas. And, and I think particularly at the moment, if we can, you know, look at the situation we're in now and go, okay, what's something, you know, completely different that we can apply to it? There's a little bit of an element of sattva in that as well. So I like the way that uh, we've been able to look at, at this uh, episode a little bit differently and, and borrow something from a culture which has so much wisdom about it. That's the other thing that really stands out to me about uh, today's topic is that there is so much that we can draw from other cultures. There's so much wisdom that we can learn from and draw upon and, and is going to be of so much benefit to us at this time of all times when we maybe require a little bit of extra support. Yes, a different perspective or a different lens can be so helpful. And now there's one thing I feel nervous about. At some stage, I'm going to ask um, our colleague, Nina, <laughs> as a psychologist who's currently studying the Bhagavad Gita in Sanskrit. Now, I'm impressed by that. That's a challenging language to learn and master, but studying the Bhagavad Gita in that. And so... Nina knows a fair bit about the gunas and I hope we haven't mangled it way too much or whatever. But as I say, we're not experts in this particular topic, but hopefully it raises some of the themes from them. But I will be interested in Nina's feedback about this and I'll take the wrap over the knuckles if it's due. <laughs> well, Dad, I must admit when we are able to socialise a little bit more, when there are less restrictions and we are able to catch up a little bit more, I will be chewing Nina's ear off about some of this stuff because I find it absolutely fascinating. So just to finish, we'll put all the resources for today up on the podcast page at sykespeels.com.au. Dad, we have a super, super exciting episode next week. We've got our first interview and very lucky to be joined by a world expert. Dad, do you want to just uh, make the announcement for us? Who is going to be joining us on our next episode of the podcast? Yes, well, we're very fortunate to have a world expert in grief joining us next time, Lucy Hone from New Zealand. And Lucy is very well known in positive psychology circles and beyond. And 
Lucy has a TED Talk, which many people find extremely helpful. But in the very emotionally challenging area of dealing with grief, it'll be very helpful to have Lucy's expertise guide us. Absolutely. Well, I'm very, very much looking forward to that because I know everything that I've seen of Lucy, she is just an absolutely yeah, re- remarkable person in the way that she does everything and very much looking forward to her being able to bring some of her expertise to you as well. So dad, thanks so much for chatting with me about all this today. I look forward to the next one. Thank you, Rowan. Same here.